some might say that starting a business or starting a practice is too much work, it's complicated, it's overwhelming. But the truth is that it's not as hard as you might think. Just like any big goal, the best way to approach it is to take things step by step. And so in this episode of Happy Without Medicine, I'll be sharing the steps that I took to start my own private counseling and therapy practice here in Toronto. And so enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. I'm so delighted and excited that you are here choosing to listen to this episode because this episode is a little bit different, and it was inspired by a conversation that I had in a group that I'm a part of. So this is a group of physicians who are also therapists, and we were talking about business, private practice. Two of us have decided to go out on our own to start our private practice, and so if you don't know, I have my practice is here in the GTA Kami Counseling Services. So K-A-M-Y Counseling with two L's dot com, KamiCounseling.com to learn more about that. Covered by OHIP, based in the GTA. So if that's something that you have been looking for, check the website out and we can connect and see if it's a good fit. But we were talking about starting a private practice yesterday and all the things that we have been working on. I was excited to share that I have received my business cards and those kinds of things. And one of my colleagues said, you know, this all sounds really overwhelming. And when I was sort of reflecting on the conversation, I thought, you know what, this might be a good thing to share, which is how I started my private practice. What were the steps that I took in order to start my private practice. And I'm hoping that in breaking things down a little bit, it'll be helpful to someone who has this dream or has this goal and is worried about all the details and how it'll all come together and finds it really overwhelming. And I get it. Like I completely understand that the thought of starting a business, especially if you're someone who has come from, you've gone to school, everything has sort of been laid out for you, step one, step two, step three, step four, and now you're in this situation where it's a completely different world. You're sort of left to figure it out on your own. It can be overwhelming. So I'm really hoping that this episode will clear out some of the mystery, and that way, if this is a dream for you, you can go ahead and take things one step at a time. By no means comprehensive, you'll still have to do some research on your own, but I hope that this summary will be helpful. And so I've outlined 10 steps. Of course, each step probably has multiple steps within that, but I'm hoping once again that the framework will be helpful for you. And so the first thing I had to do was I actually had to come to the decision to start my private practice. 
And I would probably say that this was the one that took the longest time and may even be the hardest part. It's something that I believe, you know, coming to a decision to start a business or start a practice is not something that should be rushed. Sometimes you have to go through the process of thinking things through, but the first step is to decide that this is what you're going to do. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a practice. The next step for me was then to decide on the name. I had a few options that I had run by some trusted friends several, several months ago, even before I had made the full commitment to go forward. And I ran it by some friends. But the problem is that everyone had a different opinion. And this is why it's so important to know what you want for yourself, know what your goals are, because there's no right or wrong. People are well-intentioned and are going to try and give you some advice. Some people said, no, you should use your name when therapists and doctors open up a practice they use their name. But for me, that didn't really fit with my goals because with all the learning I had done around businesses, I knew that potentially I might want to sell this practice years from now, depending on what that might look like. I don't have any intentions of doing so now, but I didn't want to shut the door of that possibility by putting something so personal as my name on the practice. And so After thinking things through, I eventually settled on Kami Counseling Services. And some people ask, oh, why Kami? And so Kami is the first initial of all of our names. So my two kids, myself and my husband, put together. And apparently it means loving in another language. And so I was like, yeah, that fits. That fits the brand. And so that was it. So decided on a name. After deciding on a name, I went on to buy the domain name of camicounseling.com. And that is something that I won't get into too many details, but I have experience with building websites. I've built blogs. I've built a website for the podcast. I've done a lot of that in the past couple of years. And so doing that was very straightforward for me. Uh, But there are many different options out there. Thank God for YouTube University. (laughs) You can look up how to buy a domain name. And so I bought a domain name and then I you know, at that point, I was still working on things. I hadn't fully committed to it. Uh, And speaking of YouTube, I decided that I was going to go on YouTube to find some inspiration on, okay, what would it look like to actually own a practice as a therapist? And because my niche where I hang out in the marketplace, so to speak, is very unique, I'm a medical doctor that offers therapy, which means that there aren't a lot of us who do that, uh, who aren't psychiatrists, who aren't psychologists, who aren't social workers. And so I haven't yet found someone on YouTube who fits my exact field, but I was able to find someone who's close enough. So also a woman. So also a woman also a Black therapist in Toronto. She shares about her journey, about starting a private practice, and watching her operate gave me the confidence to keep going. Okay, Yuande, you can do this. This is someone who looks like you, who lives close to where you live, who has been doing this and is doing this successfully. You can do it too. And this is part of why I am sharing now is that hopefully it'll give someone else the confidence and the courage to go for it. Starting a business or starting a practice is something that they are thinking about. And so 
I haven't been counting. And so I haven't been counting. So what I just listed are steps one, two, and three. (laughs) And step four is probably one of the most important parts. And I think this is where the level of feeling overwhelmed is going to reduce drastically. And it's doing a complete brain dump of all the steps that are required to go from where you are to where you want to be, which is opening your practice or opening your business. And I try to look everywhere for a nice, clean checklist that would take me from point A to point B. But what I found through our medical association and various websites, groups for doctors, like it just wasn't comprehensive enough. So what I ended up doing was like, like, you know what, I'm just going to write a list of all the things that I think I need and take it from there. And if things come up, okay, I will go ahead and put them down. So I knew that I needed to register the business. I needed to have an official business registration. I knew I needed a business bank account that was linked to County Counseling. Like I mentioned, I got the website domain. I purchased that. I researched someone who could do a logo for me. And so off of Etsy, I was able to decide on my brand colors and someone who built a logo. I used Gmail to create an official email address. I got a phone number. Then I hired someone off of Fiverr to build the website for me. That took about four weeks. Okay, so keep that in mind when you are building your timelines. And so everything that I thought that I needed, I just put them all down on one piece of paper as a checklist. And so after doing the brain dump, the next step, which is step number five, is then to attack each task one by one. So set deadlines for your decision. So I said, okay, in one week, I want to have the logo done. In one week, I want to have hired my assistant. In one week, I want to have printed my business cards, whatever that might look like, I would set deadlines for myself. So that way I'm not dwelling too much on the decision because when we have options available to us, decisions can actually be paralyzing. It's called analysis paralysis. I'm sure you've heard that before. So one thing I kept reminding myself of is that, you know, UID, no decision is permanent. For example, I had set up for a certain practice management software. And after using it, I decided I didn't like it and switched to something else that I like better. And so don't get stuck in, okay, this has to be perfect the first time. I have to do it the right way the first time. You're going to make decisions that you will want to backtrack on. And some of the backtracking might be easier than others. But don't let the fear of making a mistake stop you because most times none of these decisions are actually permanent. Some of them might be harder to reverse than others. But at the end of the day, once you write all your tasks down, take the emotion out of it. Don't let overthinking stop you. Don't let your thoughts stop you and just execute. All right. So the next thing, number six, is to share with your supporters only share your process, your progress with your supporters only. The last thing you want is anyone instilling additional fear or additional doubt into you because Lord knows you have enough of that going on already. So only share with the people who you will find will offer you support, people who will cheer you on, people who will pick you up 
instead of saying, I told you this wasn't going to work, <laughs> right? People who can cheer you on instead of people who will instill fear and doubt in you. So start gathering your group of supporters if you don't have that already. Step number seven that I, I did on this journey was I built the right team. So I knew from the beginning that I would want an assistant, someone who would help me set up the appointment, someone who would return the phone calls and the emails. I knew I wanted someone with experience and someone who would grow with the practice. And so I did a few interviews and decided on someone that I liked. And having someone as part of the team helps with keeping on track. So every month we share our monthly goals and we work towards them. It helps with accountability. It helps with growth because at the end of the day, I have to pay my assistant. And what I pay my assistant comes from the revenue from the work that I do, right? So I can't rest on my oars because in order to pay her, I have to earn the income. I have to earn the revenue. And so having a team member there who is in alignment, who gets the goals, who you can communicate with at the end of the day, like I say, building the right team, very, very important. Next is to spread the word. You can't expect that, okay, now that I have created my website and I have printed my business cards and I have set up my furniture that, you know, my doors are going to start, <laughs> the people are going to start banging on my door. No, there is an element of building a practice, building a business called marketing. And for me, I've been sharing about Cami on Instagram, on LinkedIn. I've been sharing about it on WhatsApp. I've been sharing about it in the parking lot of my kids' school. <laughs> I've been talking about Cami counseling everywhere because I truly believe in the service that I offer and how helpful and life-changing that it can be. And so I've been talking about it, right? I'm focused on spreading the word. I've also printed business cards. And so the business cards are going to be helpful because my assistant, she has come up with a list of events that I can attend for networking. And so having my business card, she's also suggested that I get a QR code. Apparently that's what the kids are doing these days. <laughs> so all of that and being able to just share, share my service and share what I have to offer to people. So, so important because at the end of the day, if you build your practice or build your business and nobody knows about it, then what's the point, right? So for me, my strategy is leveraging social media, leveraging in-person networking, and then also my personal relationships, the relationships that I already have, okay? The next thing that I want to talk about is as you build your business, as you build your practice, expect that doubt and fear are going to come. They are going to come, but the important thing is that you must have a strategy readily available in order to overcome the doubt and to overcome the fear. So it might look like having somewhere where you've written down your dream for your practice, what it means, the lives that are going to be touched, the impact that it's going to have, how you're going to feel with building this and having this written down somewhere that you can go to from time to time. Share your doubts and your fears with your support group, right? Because those are the people that, again, when you can't pull yourself out of the doubt and fear, they'll remind you and instill in you that confidence that you might be lacking 
that doubt. They're going to remind you of things that you've already done. They're going to share their own experiences, right? And so having that is so, so, so important. And remember that when you are writing your to-do list, sometimes maybe you have to revisit it or rewrite it. Just put your head down and tackle it fiercely without you allowing yourself to overthink it. So maybe you have decided that every week, so giving a personal example, every week I'm going to go live on Instagram and talk about a topic that has been useful for my patients. So on Monday, I create the graphic for Instagram. On Tuesday, I share it. On Wednesday, I go live. And so if I overthink it, I'm saying, oh, what am I going to talk about this week? This topic isn't engaging enough. This topic isn't interesting enough. I'm go- I don't have enough time. I'm going to be too tired. I'm going to talk myself out of it. But if I have a to-do list and it's item one, item two, item three, item four, and I just put my nose down and check off those items without overthinking it, I'm more likely to execute than allow my thoughts and my emotions get in the way, Okay. And the final thing that I want to talk about, point number 10, is please, 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 please celebrate the milestones. Celebrate the milestones. I caught myself doing this the other day when we had passed a revenue goal. And I was just like, okay, we, it didn't even click that it had, we had passed a certain revenue goal. And so, I had to stop myself and be like, you know, Andy, look at this. Like, look at this. You've actually surpassed a specific milestone. And so it's important for us to learn to celebrate. So the other day when I picked up my business cards, I stopped over, got myself an Oreo, snack size Oreo McFlurry and treated myself, okay, (laughs) to say, okay, this is something that we have accomplished and this is something to celebrate because what you focus on grows. When you focus on your progress, it's going to give you more motivation to continue to get those tasks done versus when you focus on things that you haven't yet accomplished. And so celebrating those milestones serve as an awesome, awesome source of motivation. And so that's it. That's all that I had to share today with regards to the steps that I've been taking to get from point A to point B. And so again, realize that it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. But the most important thing is that you are taking action. Okay. I hope you found this helpful. Please share it with any of your friends who might find this helpful. And remember, until next time, I'm here fiercely advocating and wishing for your success and happiness. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Di, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.